Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. The following takes place between 11.06 a.m. and 1 p.m. You know, some people pronounce kafir as kefir. And it really... I've never even heard of what, what is kafir. I mean, I guess it could be an, an Arabic surname. Kafir is a yogurt-like uh, fermented dairy product that is very. Oh, I've, good n- I've never heard of this then. And but... they pronounce it kefir, and both things are good. I prefer kefir because he's a great actor, oh, but kefir, kefir is delicious as well. But there needs to be a differentiator. Anyway, this is twenty-four cast another day, hosted by two idiots who are absolutely fanatic about twenty-four. Uh, incredibly happy about there being this ninth season or miniseries or whatever you want to call it, uh, The Return of 24. Uh, I am Austin, and I'm sitting here with perhaps the largest, most fanatic uh, Madonna and 24 fan that I have known in my entire life. Hello, David. Hi, how's it going? And uh, I'm not going to dispute my fanaticism for 24 with you. I, I don't think anybody who knows you will ever you know, allow you to dispute that, especially because uh, they... Went to a premiere event, not 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 the live in New York premiere, but a premiere in New York of sorts. You held your massive twenty-four person, twenty-four party on Monday. Is that correct? That I missed. Uh, it 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 is correct that you missed it. It is correct that it was massive. It was twenty people who came ah. to my live another day season premiere party. Um, oh. twenty-four people came to my twenty-four series finale party on May twenty-fourth, two thousand ten, and uh. That just shows one bit of the extensive knowledge both of us have regarding our beloved television show. But, but hold on, hold on. So, so four people did not make it. Was is it because I was one of the ones who missed it, and you didn't get a replacement, or uh, had you well, never planned on having exactly? I, I was people? never planning on getting twenty-four people exactly. I invited however many people I invited. Some said yes, some said no, some bitched out because they had to be in Boston and couldn't be in New York. Yeah, I wonder um, who that loser is. That, that's definitely you. Um, Fuck you. And uh, so I was actually at 19 people at the day of, and then three additional people told me they were coming on that day, and then two people canceled. So that's how we went from 19 to 22, back down to 20, but it, it worked out uh, splendidly. We got all of them in the apartment eating. Uh, drinking out of Union Jack cups, which I Union ordered on Union Jack. That's oh, great. you know, there were Union Jack cups. There were Union Jack napkins. Uh, I had a Union Jack tablecloth as well as I made a Union Jack tablecloth of uh, black and gold to represent 24's colors. Yep. Uh, and that's just some of the uh, things that I did for the party. Oh, that's it? That's not extensive at all. Well, anyway, as I uh, mentioned... Oh, no, there, there, was, there, was, there was so much more, but this podcast... Uh, is about what happens on the show sure. and not what uh, I did leading up to the show. Although I think it's pretty amazing. Um, so as 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 mentioned, this is 24 Cast Under the Day. It is a podcast about a television show, and it's going to be about the episodes that we saw. So if you didn't see the episode and you don't like spoilers, I, I'm pretty sure you know what to do right now. So yeah, see, if you're you not doing stop. it, that's your own fault. Yeah, hit stop. Go home Go or... or, or Go to the bathroom or whatever you do, and and, and have a drink or something. Um, but yes, I think it, as as fanatic as we are, there is a policy: we are not going to talk about any spoilers in future episodes. No, uh, so no you, and we don't even watch the scenes from next week. That's, so yeah. nothing that I say or Austin says will have anything to do with the previews for the coming episode. We will speculate on what's to come based sure. on what was intimated 
or took place in the episode that was just watched. And one last bit on our spoiler policy, we will talk about the original run of the series. Right. So anything that happened between day one and Chloe's arrest is up for grabs. So if you don't want to be spoiled on that, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast, but you probably wouldn't have tuned in anyway if, you know, you have no idea what 24 well, Should I hope not. Is. Um that means the but, two you know, people we, that I know. Maybe we have new fans. Yeah. Well, that means the two people that I know who are probably listening to this right now. You should turn it off. So there you go. Anyway, um, so Monday was two episodes, uh, and for some reason I had thought that it was going to be uh, each episode was going to be two hours. Um, represent. Uh, sorry, two hours of show time represented in one hour of real time. Oh, so uh, it was going to be in cut time. Yeah, for some reason I thought it was going to be that, and then it quickly proved me wrong. So I was a little confused. But then after that, I think it was smooth sailing. What were your overall thoughts on um, – let's start with the – I guess overall since it's, just, it's one night, right? So to me, it's just one experience. What, what, what were your thoughts on episodes one and two at a high level? I was happy to have the show back. I thought they were solid episodes of 24. Uh, I thought that they did a great job of setting up a season, more so than just being a great individual hour or two, and I'm very intrigued by what's to come. They were just, you know, solid, decent episodes of 24. I think uh, we were texting back and forth, and and one of the things that you noted, which, uh, you know, I'm in line with is... At least for the first episode, I definitely was into it more than season eight's premiere, uh, and I think it got off to a better start than season three's premiere. Uh, I don't think it quite lived up to. It, this is going to sound bad from a proportion standpoint. It doesn't live up to the rest of the series premieres, but for me, it's one of those things where it's like you're talking about a difference of a nine out of ten versus a ten out of ten, right? And, and that's just being hypothetical. So what I'm saying is, I thought it was. I really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the best thing ever. I didn't think it was absolutely spectacular or even great, but it was still good. Like you said, it was good to have it back. Um, and I, perhaps the excitement of having it back uh, maybe colors my evaluation of a little bit, but you know, I, I think overall it was it was definitely worthy, whereas for me, 8-1 was uh, maybe not so much. Right, and to respond uh, to that with you saying the excitement made you so happy, uh, probably for me it went the other way with just the anticipation and the build-up and the expectations. That There was probably no way that the show is ever going to satisfy me completely on a, on a first run. I actually rewatched them today and enjoyed them more the second time around. That's good to hear because I um, need to do that. Yeah, you definitely should. And, you know, you always pick up on the subtleties Uh, of the, you know, 19 other people who watched the episode with me. uh, Everyone was positive on it. And uh, I was probably in the middle of the spectrum in terms of how people are positive, how positive people were on it. And usually with uh, 24, I have the most extreme reactions, whether it be a positive one or a negative one. You know, you know, we we are speaking about other premieres. the season five premiere is a great example of that. We won't go into too much detail, but uh, the season five premiere is a revered episode of 24, and I see why. Uh, I think on a qualitative level, uh, I'll praise it, but as an on an experiential level, I hate that episode. It's oh. my least favorite episode of the show. Of course. And I have a lot of issues with things that transpired in that episode. 
Yeah, and that that's totally understandable. Um, what was and I'm curious, what was the feeling in the room since there were a lot of other folks with you? Uh, po- positive on the episodes, I wouldn't say it was overly glowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just thrilled, thrilled to have it back. And really, everyone was saying, "Oh, this is good. We, I like this." There was there was no real complaining or worrying about a seed that was planted. Whereas a lot of times with 24 seasons, even the best of them, you know, in the first or second episode, something pops up and it's it's a red flag. And whether it turns out to be a season long problem isn't always the case. But, you know, there are just those 24 red flags. There's Maya Driscoll showing up in season four's opening two episodes uh. and season four is outstanding. And I, I actually well, the Maya Driscoll part is the worst part of that season. I, I don't hate on it so much. It didn't need to be in season four, for sure, but th- that's just an example of a of a red flag. Are we calling that the the cougar corollary? No, see, I, I wouldn't go that far. I think the Maya Dr- the Maya Driscoll thing. Well, I'm just talking about shape. red flags in general. To me, speak cougar. No, I think a typical twenty four red flag is a certain character being introduced that or a subplot often being introduced that just seems makes you think why is this going to be on it you know a red flag oh, i'm thinking of 82 it's uh kevin wade calling up jenny scott jeez oh, oh. and then then you just want to off the bat where is this going i think uh season 6 as good as the first four episodes were i had the red flag of wow these ctu scenes feel really stale and as funny as Carla Rhoda and Marilyn Rice Cub are, the Chloe Morris Milo love triangle that was developing in those early episodes—that was a red flag. Oh, Milo! Uh, but by con- you know, in contrast, uh, my issues with the season five premiere aside, they don't have a red flag. Uh, the season seven premiere does not have a red flag. Oh, the season two premiere—I mean, that has a-, a red flag. I mean, Megan Matheson and. The loudest sound in the history of the world when she slammed against the bed and you thought the girl literally had her head chopped off and she was just bruised. But that entire story of what's going on with Psycho Dad leering at Kim's swimmer's body and (sighs) how is this going to fit in? That's a red flag. And this premiere, I thought, was absent of such things. And that's always a good sign. Yeah, I I don't I think you might have noticed in my notes and in my silly rambling notes that I always take uh, that I started taking in season seven um I I started to feel that way about um about the and we'll get to this in a second about the hacker behind the drone attack uh in episode two and his girlfriend or what side piece or whatever you want to call it yeah um, the trauma and then it and then it turned to, out to, to be something more than just you know, Darren McCarthy and the Broad from season six. It like, you know, she ends up being involved somehow. And I was like, all right, all right. They they saved it from being a red flag-ish type thing. But I did have that thought. Um, so totally, totally agree. I uh, I was watching that and I saw this character and all I could think about was Rita Brady, who is one of the most reprehensible, unnecessary characters in all of 24 and Darren McCarthy, who's not much better than oh, her. Oh, is that her name? Rita Brady. Rita Brady, okay, oh, and she was also in a, in a House episode where she was, um, she thought she was being raped consistently, and 
what happened was is she was sleepwalking and she was sleep having sex with her husband and she had all of these rug burns on her dairy. Um, <laughs> oh, that's sure. Just, just, okay, sure. But anyway, yes, Rita Brady is the name of the broad. Uh, I don't think we should spend much time talking no. about Rita Brady, but I had I had the Rita Brady concern, and that was all I could think about once that character was introduced. And you told me you eventually thought you came to think she would be a a mole or a spy or in it for her own good. Yeah, I thought she exactly was she was going to screw him over, and she was playing up the whole like I I am innocent Russian girlfriend who who doesn't really pay attention. No, she she fucking knew what was going on. You know. Yeah, see, I, I was surprised by that just because I was so fixated on the possibility of her being Rita Brady. And, <laughs> and is, this, is 24 really doing this at four years away, right. knowing what works, knowing what doesn't work, Haven't spending 12 episodes scripting this so far in advance, and you're giving me Rita Brady's trollop Russian third cousin? <laughs> but thankfully, it, it turned out that she's not Rita Brady 2.0. She's like Mandy 7.2. Sure. Um, how many Mandys are we up to now? Uh, There's Mandy. Does Colette Stinger count because she was kind oh, of a, a weak one? Colette, okay, so she's no, one. Colette, Colette Stinger counts. Now, there was Mandy 2.0 who was in season four, the one who slept with uh, Mitch Anderson. Yes. Captain Anderson. Yeah. Uh, so she was two. Then we had Colette Stinger was Mandy 3.0. Uh, was there one in... I'm trying to think of season six. six. No, no, I don't think so. No, there wasn't one in seven or eight. Are we just going in and out would of you, people? Would you consider? Um, I know who you're gonna say. Nora from How I Met Your Mother. No, we're not. Oh, really, okay. No, no, because no, she was never. She was never any focal she, real. Eh. She wasn't focused on, nor was she purported to be something else, and then turned into a spy. No, she yeah. was just. A random terrorist. So anyway, this new girl who is is Mandy 4.0. And she's coming home to Mummy. Uh, Catelyn Stark. Which is Catelyn Stark. Did you actually know that Catelyn, uh, Michelle uh, Flaherty, is that her name? I don't know, but that's the name of... Uh, of that's um, the name of Alison Hannigan yes. in, <laughs> in, really in American Bible. Mich- Michelle Fairley. I'm sorry, okay. that, that's okay. her name. Okay, okay. No um, negative so very close. I did Michelle, not know she was in it. No, I had no idea. M- Michelle Fairley actually was a replacement actress. Oh. Uh, when, I, you know, I don't listen to any spoilers about what's going to happen content-wise or about any returning actors, but I'll sometimes hear about new actors who are hired. Uh-huh. And Judy Davis, who's a master British thespian, was hired. And What's she What's she in? I know that name. She was most famously in Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives, I, I believe, uh, but fantastic actress, and she uh, – actually, I'm just looking up her bio now. She's Australian, not British, but anyway, Judy Davis uh, was going to be in it and for whatever reason backed out, so Michelle Fairley was a replacement. Interesting. Did not realize that. Well, I, I, it was a pleasant surprise. I think the casting has been like it was full of fist pumps as I was watching it through dinner. Like Chris Partlow from The Wire shows up. Um, Heller is back. Uh, Audrey Reigns is back. J- Jack Bauer is obviously back. But uh, J- Jack, um, ba- Jack Bauer is back. So do you want to go into the cast? Yeah, the I was going to ask now, you. Let's you know, start with the returning cast. Yeah. So Jack and I I had a comment on my notes about this. Um which now I'm rethinking, and I'm not so sure how I feel about it. 
Um, I had the comment that like Chloe is going down the Tony Almeida route and Jack is Jack, and that's fine. Thinking about it more, you know, on the plane ride home today, I was thinking, and I was like, you know what? I I, I feel like we left Jack in season eight in this kind of a crossroads where it's like he all and make no mistake, he has done cold blooded murderingness before. I believe seven times he's murdered yes. in cold blood. Yes, but th- this was the, the the tail end of season eight, which was amazing, by the way. The tail end of season eight, you know, it felt different. It was it was more savage, more vile, and so Absolutely. when we leave him, he's at this kind of different state where before, yes, he's a he's a vengeful person, he's a spiteful person, but he's also you know he also is a patriot and he upholds the law for the country that he believes in that he fights for. And when we leave him, you know, this is this is kind of it feels like it's kind of the last straw. And I didn't expect him to come back as a complete like anti-hero which tony ended up being um but i almost i almost see like when 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 you hear him saying lines like you know i owe his family with regards to heller um which which may be true but you hear that and you're like huh he he's still jack and part of me is like that's the jack we know let's go you know fist pump and part of me is like well wait a second this this feels maybe a little bit samey. Do we want him to maybe be a little different? Do we want him to maybe take another direction? I don't know. I don't know if if what what I'm thinking about here is it, it even matters. Like because my first reaction was a positive one, but again, thinking upon it, I'm like, uh, hmm. What do I want out of this? Did did you have any any thoughts about that? About kind of him sort of coming back to like middle ground, or or did that even cross your mind at all? Uh, no, I actually don't have the same thoughts you did on either side of it, which is at the tail end of season eight, as well as the opening of day nine, live another day, what season nine, whatever you want to call it. And live another nine. Yeah. Live another, live another, live another day nine lives. Uh, but I feel like Jack at the end of season eight, uh, for all the savagery that he participated in that he was rueful about it. And he, at the beginning of 824, you know, Chloe talked him down and Jack, you know, took his foot off the gas by, by that yeah, point. Yeah, good and point. And I think season eight, you know, in, in some ways Jack snapped. I think it was justifiable as well as it's not, that was not Jack's first course of action. All right. That was Jack's last recourse sure. because Tal, you know, Taylor decided to start covering things up and then Jack took matters into his own hands and the situations became, you know, were what they were. And he was forced to go out on the run. But I feel like Jack had calmed down over the ever last so much. Years. In, it, it, it will calm down in the last hour. And I think Jack made a very interesting return uh, because the end of season, the last episode of season eight, uh, or even the last episode and a half, if you, if you include the recording that he made to Kim that Taylor watched yeah, as well as the point. scene where the scene where Chloe talks Jack down and then, you know, the, the final scene of the series, you know, there's a certain warmth that was uh, in, in Jack Bauer. And I think Jack Bauer returned uh, and all praise to Kiefer Sutherland who found ways to tweak his performance in several little ways. Again, I think Jack returned 
as hard as we ever saw him. It was in his look, even in his voice, even the, the chisel of his body. And there was something very hardened and militaristic about yeah. Jack and his uh, and the way he carried himself in this episode. And I actually feel, you know, I thought that was difficult to watch in, a, in an effective way. And I think that, you know, set up some very intriguing bits. You know, Jack... You're saying things, it's a little samey. Well, Jack's actually working with a Serbian mob guy with strange splotches of, sure. on his face. Um, and this is who he's been hanging out with and who knows what he's been doing. And, you know, now he's re resurfaced. And I feel that that's one of the great mysteries that the show set up in this in the first two episodes. And I think as far as Jack owing Heller, you know, which you mentioned, I think there's always been a certain amount of honor in Jack Bauer at every single stage. So regardless of how hardened he's become or how much faith he's lost in all government and legal systems, Jack's still going to do what he feels is right. And that's probably the most core characteristic of Jack Bauer. Other things will, will, will change. You know, you'll see him be more vengeful or less vengeful. You'll see him be more contemplative, less contemplative and warmer at times. But Jack, there's always honor within, within Jack Bauer. And I think that what's interesting, he, you know, he represents, you know, he's a superhero in, in enough sense, but the way he goes about things, and especially in the first two episodes that aired on Monday night, there, there's a certain villainous capacity to Jack Bauer. And he's a representation of all the horrors that people have had to do in the name of the greater good. And I think that's just all in Keeper's performance and the way the character's written and acts. Yeah. And it, th that's a good point about the honor. And, and I think, that is exactly what I was thinking about on the way home today about, like, would it have been interesting to see that curdle a little bit? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that they made the wrong decision, you know, and I'm not even saying that, you know, I actually want that to happen. I just, it's, like I said, it's just a thought that I had on the way home of just like, hmm, would it have been more interesting? And I, and I think maybe what they're doing is they're kind of trying to to siphon all of that into Chloe right now who is – almost clearly, and I say almost because I, I'm not sure how much I buy it yet, but almost clearly taken that role that I just described of like, she's the one who's turned. She's the one who is now bitter. And, uh, you know, she she works for a freaking, like, pretty much a WikiLeaks type operation, right? Oh, so, so, no, Chloe's become a terrorist. Yeah. All right. Now, if you want, if you want to qualify that with cyber terrorist, feel free to go ahead. But for all the talk of Tony became bad or Tony became a terrorist in season seven, and that's not the way I see it. You know, Tony was doing what he had to do for a personal cause. That's what, that's what Tony was doing. When he would, he was doing good things to stop Starkwood, or maybe he was doing bad things and killing FBI agents, but it was all for his personal goals. There was no terrorism. There was no ideology. Chloe, Chloe is just espousing a certain ideology and working with a group that is anti-government and committing acts of cyber terror. And, you know, she and Jack have that debate. I guess it's somewhere in the middle of the second episode when she says intelligence organizations are illegal. You know, they keep secrets and I'm just sending all of them out there. And then Jack says, you're sm you're smarter than that. 
Right. Now, let, let's actually talk a little bit about Chloe. Uh, it was intimated, a couple of things were intimated about Chloe that took place in the four years. One is that she served some amount of time yep. for helping Jack escape. And then Jack says something to her and Chloe responds with, you have no right to say that to me, especially after what I've been through. And when you combine those two items with Chloe's appearance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has me wondering what happened to Chloe or to certain people in Chloe's orbit over the last four years. I mean, are Morris and Prescott okay? Right. I- I'm I'm getting the feeling no, and if you were watching very closely, there was no wedding ring on Chloe's finger. And I even asked, I remember I asked uh, in, in my notes, how old would Prescott be today? And then yeah, we we had that whole we were doing so much twenty four math at the party the other night, and how many years it's been since uh, Audrey's catatonia and yeah. Pres- uh, Prescott's conception, and okay, and and many and many other things. But just to go real quick for our listeners, or maybe listener, uh, day six between day six and day seven, it's approximately four years. Seven to eight is 18 months, and eight to nine is four years, so that's nine and a half years. And if you subtract out uh, a gestation period of about seven or so months, that would mean that Prescott O'Brien is eight years, 11 months old, uh, if he's still with us. Right, and it, it, that, that's what I was going to say. That's that's the thought that crossed my mind Lit- literally like two minutes ago when I brought it up. I was like – because I was, I was looking – I'm looking at my notes that I sent you. You know, because I think there were a lot of interesting thoughts, and as soon as I saw the Prescott thing, I was like, "Wait, maybe he's not even here anymore." So that that yeah, shouldn't be a mean? "How old is he now?" That could be a "How old would he have been?" And that was a very terrifying thought that I just had. You know, right? And it's it's further terrifying because do do you think that if Prescott's dead, I mean, Howard Gordon's killed his own son. <laughs> Prescott O'Brien is played played by Howard Gordon's son. <laughs> if not, you're not aware of that, <laughs> I no, didn't even realize it. Yes. Uh, so uh, maybe Howard Gordon uh, it, it wants to commit an act of filicide and oh. he's just writing it into a show. No offense, Howard Gordon. We love you. Uh, that's that's a total joke Ooh. if you're if you're listening. But uh, ho- and we love Prescott. Hopefully a little Prescott's alive and hopefully Morris is alive because I, I love Morris O'Brien. I feel like he's always been used well. He's actually I miss him. He's a great character. He's fu- he's funny. He, he's used well when it's big stuff, small yeah. stuff, and you know, seeing that the, the series is set in London and Morris is right. uh, from that part of part of the world, I would imagine Morris would be one of the characters more likely to make a return during Live sure. Another Day than say uh, Danny Dessler. Yeah, London. You brought up London. That is one of the changes, one of the big changes, and one of the things that I think was spoiled for both of us early on. Um, yes, London. I had heard about long, long ago. What do you think of that so far? Is, is is it really striking you as like, hey, we're in London. Like, they're playing up London. This is London. Or is it just kind of like, all right, well, it's 24, and they drive on the left, but not really noticing anything? Um, You know, I think it does two things. Uh, the, the first is it makes it feel a little bit different. Sure. All right? It makes this season feel distinguishable from the previous eight. And I think the on-location filming is great. You know, we've discussed this a few times over the years. I thought the DC stuff in season seven was terrific. Yep. And I thought the New York stuff in season eight never never got there. And I say that as a as a New Yorker. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. 
you know, it the green screening looked fine, but that never felt like New York. They didn't do that much shooting of it in New York, whereas they certainly did more in D.C. And it, it, this felt, you know, I've never been to London, but th this had a long, this had a London feel and a certain cinematic value. So it, it nicely distinguishes it, and it allows on location filming, uh, which uh, you know, Kassar's direction in the two episodes w was excellent. Yeah, and, praise be to John Kassar. I'm glad he's back. Right. Yeah, and the, and the the look of everything was great. I think you know, considering where the season eight story ended, they needed to have this take place on uh, you know in a foreign country, mm -hmm. and the, you know that's just a matter of necessity. And it'll be interesting to see where they go in the next uh, you know ten episodes with how English. It, it gets. I know they're right. fil they're filming exclusively in London, uh, or at least I I don't know if they go outside of London to another city or country in in Europe. But the parts of the show that take place in London are being filmed in London exclusively. Right. Yeah. Whereas I, the DC parts in season seven were not always uh, filmed in DC. Yeah. I uh, at the very least, I definitely got London from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, I spent. I'm by no means an expert on London. All I can say is that I spent maybe five or six weeks there on a study abroad thing, and just, just you know, going from California or even Washington D.C. or New York uh, to the London fog, I think that's definitely represented there. I, 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 I'm with you on the kind of tonal shift. It looks, it looks, it looks more dingy. It looks more dreary. And yeah, any, right. any Brits, they're, not, they're using gray camera filters. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that London is a dingy place or a dreary place, but it, set, it it lends a different aesthetic to the show, at least where they decided to shoot it. Um, so uh, did, did I do enough saving there to save us? Yeah, from Brits? Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. I like I, I like Look, Brits. If we, I like London. If we could get if we could get a British listener to offend, that that would just be you know an achievement <laughs> in, in and of in and of itself. So uh, if if you are British and you are listening, uh, please keep listening. I, I love British people. I'm I'm something of an Anglophile. Um, again, I have Union Jack napkins in my house right now. There you now. go. Um, but you know, I thought the the London stuff was good, and I think it's going to add an interesting element because there were already little hints popping up of how the United States CIA is operating in London. Mm. They're you know they're in a smaller uh, building. They you know have to deal with local cops in a certain way. So I think that's you know ripe for a lot of tension uh, down down the line. Uh, so you know, can we talk about tattoos for a second? Uh... No, no, no. I'm not even going to bring up Chloe's tattoos first. I want to talk about Kiefer Sutherland slash Jack Bowers forever appearing and disappearing arm tattoos. Oh, that's because, right. I, you know, okay, I didn't look. At, I didn't look for that. Oh, dude! All I can think about is with the first scene of Jack when he's in the interrogation room and his shirt's off, and I see. You know, I see Kiefer Sutherland's arms, and they say, "Oh, so his arm tattoos are, are back." Because they're in the first episode of the show um, when he's changing, but when he's being tortured to death in season two, they're gone. And I think they pop up one more time when he has a, a shorter sleeve shirt, but when he's making sweet love to Renee Walker, they're gone. So, like the, the writers never choose on that. Whereas the um, the Salazar brother tattoo uh, has always been on the show as well as on Kiefer Sutherland's body. Right. Uh, so just wondering there, what did you what did you think about Chloe's tattoos? <sighs> so, like, 
So, so the the favorite note, one of the favorite notes of mine that I wrote to you was, "Gee, Chloe looks great." Dot 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 dot, because she looks like freaking hell. And I, you know, I have, I have no judgment on tattoos in general. They can look great, they can look crappy, but like, I think you actually responded with what I was thinking. I feel like they kind of were like, "How do we best make her look like absolute shit?" Let's not worry about overdoing it. Like, if we overdo it, fine. How do we do it? And then they overdid it. Yeah, I mean, that was just overdone. The goth, the goth thing worked for me. The tattoo thing, to, like, just felt a, a little bit much. You know, we're trying to be so so different. And, you know, I'll reserve final judgment on that until I hear what Chloe's been through. You know, it's possible sure. something so horrible's happened to her. And, you know, that gives her some psychological reason to get tattoos or maybe she's dating a tattoo artist on, on the side and that'll be 24's real red flag um but uh but you know that was just something i wanted to uh nigel to talk about tattoo sin right and that's not the um that's not the only thing that that's different what did you think of the uh visual tweaks and the couple structural tweaks to the show i i Okay, so I was about to hyperbolize there, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack. I was going to say I was floored, but I wasn't. But when it, co- when it went through a cold open, I was like, whoa, am I watching the same show? And then episode thought two. thought that was I, great, by the way. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, episode two obviously went back to normal, but I thought it was funny how they had to say the following takes place between 11.06 and 12 p.m. And I was like, that's really funny because it's always been on the hour, but because they did a cold open, they acknowledged that. And I was like, yeah, we, we cut into the time by six minutes. Um, I noticed that the clock was more glowy and more orange and more like le- it looked less like mustard and yeah well there was an orange uh, you know backing and you're more of a graphic design expert than me but there was an orange uh, glow or backdrop to it was to more the of clock a glow. And, yeah yeah and it was the, the clock was less mustard and more white and the same thing with all of the you know, the, the credits uh, and even the 24 seven segment logo that opened it and I thought that was a really there was a good choice. I I wanted it looks live another great, day. For sure. It would look it looks totally great. I wanted live another day to just be feel a little bit different than the rest of the series. And those subtle tweaks of doing the following takes place between eleven oh six AM and a cold open and the different graphics uh, were completely respectful of the original series and just the right amount of variation. I actually thought there was something wrong with the TV. I was looking at it first, so when I made that comment, I was, I was kind of half expecting you to write back and say, what "The hell were you looking at?" But I'm glad oh, to, I'm glad to know that the TV was looking good and I wasn't missing no, anything. The TV was fine. I mean, truth be told, uh, as much as I like the the look of it, it took me a good episode and three quarters to get used to it. But I, I still like the look of it, and uh, I made the adjustment by the time the second episode was over. Uh, it's it's one yeah, of those. It's just a good call. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that I like, and and you aren't, but I am a. I I still continue to play a lot of uh, of video games, and it's one of those things where it it it's a subtle like design touch that lets you know that hey, even though this is part two of a game series and it's the same series, it's slightly different. It's new. It's it it's today. It's the current version of what you love. So just a little tweak. And it's like even though through eight seasons of twenty four, it's it's been mostly the same. Like you're right, this definitely does lend to it a a like not that this is a like side story ish necessarily, but sort of in in that sense that it's canon. 
you know, it's it's it involves the major characters. It's continuing the storyline, and it's not just that it's canon, but going off on the side. It's continuing Jack's plight, but there's a new feel to it. We know that it's twelve episodes. We know that it's you know he's so distant from whatever he knew in the past before, except for Chloe. And hey, and it's in London. Yeah, it's in London. You know, physically distant. You know, that's partially what I meant. And hey, hey, guess what? You got a nice new orange clock to fit 2014. You know, and and like I said, it it looks great. And and you've got these random new people, including Benjamin Bratt was one of the people that I kind of fist pumped for because you and I both like him a lot as an actor. Um, but that that's actually a good question. So you know, we actually talked about the old people, but what do you? We actually haven't spoke. We haven't spoken about the two. Well, right. I mean, next we to Jack missed, and Chloe, whom, whom we missed we the Hellers. Jack and Chloe would be back. The, I mean, we all knew Jack would be back. Yeah. I happened to hear Chloe was coming back long ago as well. I didn't say anything to you, but yeah. that was as minimal of a spoiler as as you could ever do because yeah. you know, in a lot of ways, right now, Twenty Four is the Jack and Chloe show. Yeah. And uh, I did not know anything about the Hellers. That was and, a good surprise. Uh, that was that was a that was a great surprise. It was a great great surprise for a few reasons for me. Uh, I like both of those actors. I like both of those characters, uh, and this tethers the story, or at least the emotional story, to the original series. If Jack and Chloe, you have to consider them stalwarts. Uh, yeah. Heller, Heller and Audrey really were the only two hanging plot threads from the original series that mattered in, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we could talk about things like is Wayne Palmer dead or alive, but sure. in the in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter. But what Audrey means to Jack and that continued hurt he carries around uh, is so significant. And if there is a happy ending in store for Jack, or if there's one more horrible thing that you know can be done to Jack, you know that that could very well you know involve Audrey. And you know we we were left wondering would Audrey make a recovery? Yeah. Uh, perhaps you've been watching the season six finale and that that stunning scene at the end when Jack's saying goodbye, you know, thinking or just hoping Audrey would open her eyes. That's actually how I remember watching and not thinking she would. I'm just like, please open your eyes, Audrey. Open, you know, open your eyes. Uh, and it was, you know, I mean that that for you know further the legacy. I mean, I'm hoping Day Nine is not the season six sequel that no one ever asked for. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that could be dangerous. Tr- 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 truth be told, the Heller's involvement, uh, or that Heller slash Audrey involvement in season six was one of the better parts of that season. And I'm a big fan of the closing notes of that season. Mm-hmm. And your know, Audrey coming back was, I mean, that was a shocker. And if their 24 was going to get emotion into this new day, uh, especially with only 12 episodes to build it, you know, it j- probably wasn't going to come from a new character. Sure. Uh, it was gonna come. It was gonna come from an older place, and Audrey was the um, the best one. I don't know if you recall. I wrote you know my twenty four previous series leading up to this. I wrote characters uh, I'd most want to come back, and you could probably guess who number one was. But number two is Audrey Reigns, You know, just because I feel there, there's an there's an emotional connection she has with Jack, and there's also you know Audrey does cross over into some of, you know, some of the political, you know, storyline. So, you know, very happy to have Audrey back. I saw her name in the credits before she appeared. I was trying to cover, you know, yeah. my, my, the bottom of the screen with my fingers, but I, I saw I am. And so I didn't see the credits. So I was like, uh, well, down. I saw, I saw I am space RA. So, uh, so <laughs> Gee, I, I pretty who much could that be? 
I figured, it, it, you know, it was Kim Raver and not someone named like Tim Jim Rancid. Raval. Jim Raval, but uh, yeah. also by that point, Heller had shown up, and you know, Heller and Audrey were probably a package. And then you figure, yeah, yeah. So once Heller was on it, uh, seeing or you know Audrey, that you know that was uh, expected, and and that got me excited. And uh, another thing, I thought Audrey, and I say this in a good way, I thought Audrey looked terrible. Yes, um, I she agree. She looked like she looked like someone who had been through a trauma. She looked like right, she and should he have, kind of I think. Ashen and, and, and a, a little bit slowed down. And, yep. uh, there was a certain spotchiness to her. And th- I am not insulting Kim Raver in any way because I actually happened to see Kim Raver at dinner uh, sometime last summer, and Kim Raver looked absolutely fantastic. So, Kim Raver, if you're listening, <laughs> you look great. Um, Audrey looks like someone who's gone through what she's gone through. Right, and it, yeah. And, and I thought that was that was that was a really um, you know good good touch. You know, certain times, uh, and especially with women actresses, uh, they let something traumatic happen to an actress, but the actress still looks amazing. Yeah, um, that's TV. And, yeah, I mean, or like you know, my my classic example is uh, if you ever watch Lost, you know, fine. Uh, Evangeline Lilly and Elizabeth Mitchell look absolutely fantastic for the entire run, and somehow their armpits are always shaped, yeah. and that's fine. Um, I, I want that. I, I, I want to see uh, not a nicely groomed Elizabeth Mitchell on uh, Lost Island. Uh, but you know, it, you know, armpit hair doesn't say, grow on the island as it has been dictated uh, by the Golden Light. Fuck that series. Look, look, look. Right, no, 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 no Lost talk. No Lost talk. Thank God. Okay, uh, we're gonna have to. We'll make a no politics rule about this <laughs> show. A no Lost rule. A no spoilers rule. Fuck Lost. Um, lost. Wait, is is there anything else? Because um, I feel like there, there are certain things that I just never ever want to uh, mention. Oh, oh, I'm not even gonna say it. Ne- right. Never mind. All right, all right. right. So, so, uh, I'm, I'm not even gonna say what I thought. Um, if no, Kim Raver and, and and her British fans, our British fans, want to write into us and guess, um, I'll give them the answer. But anyway, um, so see, so yeah, um, Audrey doesn't look great, but. You know, I think I think that's effective. And you, uh, you made that point, uh, a very salient point, uh, a couple of years ago in the middle of the series, um, when when we were talking about TV and people cast on TV and how on Twenty Four, not everybody is beautiful. Whereas on no, most, it's not a it's not a beautiful people yeah, show. Most popular television shows, in some way, shape, or form, end up being about you know people who happen to just look their best. Right, or you know, they hire they hire good you know good looking people. I mean, here, I mean, Lost is uh, an an example. Uh, uh, pretty much everyone on that show is gorgeous. And 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 that's not to say that the leads in Twenty Four are ugly. By far means, but by, by by any means, they are not. But it's just they they don't feel the need to airbrush and glamorize and and puff up every one of their stars. And they and, and they shouldn't. No, and they don't they don't white light show. either. Yeah, they don't white light either. Yeah. Um. You know, if you ever, I mean, there are certain actors you'll see on 24 and you see the many flaws that any of them have. And then you see them on another show that uses white lighting to all hell. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a notable difference. I don't want to start uh, objectifying, uh, especially in a negative way, certain actors and actresses who have been on 24. Um, but uh, so, you know, I think the makeup job on Kim Raver was great. And uh, what did you think about Heller? I think Heller was one of the. Devane. Devane is exactly what I texted you. I, I I think the actor Will Devane, for those who aren't aware, um, I, 
he was perhaps one of one of the um how to phrase this one of my silently favorite parts about the return uh, to 24 i think that um I think he's a good actor. I think it's a good character. I don't think it's one that's been utilized too much, and so it was a welcome return. I think it's a great choice for president. Oh, yeah, I agree on all points. I, I think mm -hmm. that his mental lapses and the way that Devane portrays them is great and enhanced by that creepy cardigan he's wearing. Um, it, it's Devane, uh, and Heller more specifically as a character, has always had some great moments used in some sparing shots so season four when he's defying his kidnapper season five when he confronts logan um season six when he calls jack cursed which i think it, it, it can lead to interesting things this season or this, this totally uh, and, and just just to piggyback on, on that for a second um you know there's that line that jack says to chloe you know Heller's a good man, in spite of Jack and Heller's, yeah. you know, epic screaming match at the end of season yep, six. And the gun pulling. Um, and and I like that acknowledgement um, by Jack. Yeah. It, it, so go back to what you're saying about Heller. Yeah, and it's just it, it's a welcome return, and it's it, it, you know, it's one of those characters that you know maybe I didn't really think about all that much, but you know, had it, 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 you know, in hindsight, it now that I think about it a little more, it's definitely someone who I you know would have liked to have a little bit more shine here and there not overuse but you know the great moments that he had that i just spoke of those three examples you know another one you know couldn't hurt and then you know you kind of started you're kind of starting to get that now in this season when he you know when he's working on his speech um about the fallen soldiers and then his mental lapse comes in and you add that like little bit of drama there a little bit of old man sympathy um it, it and this well i'll talk about this mark guy later when we talk about the new people but just you know the the tension that's there when you see you know you see him practicing that speech and it's a great moment and audrey smiling when in the back of your head you know He's going to say something wrong, and it's going to take that smile right off her face. And Right. I thought that was the best scene in, in the whole two hours was the debate prep scene. And that was also a scene that 24 is not really done before. Uh, at, le at least it's certainly not one they've done often. I, and I thought the three actors were great. And that, I mean, just – you know, that's new territory for the show as well Yeah. Um, with a president going through something degenerative. You, it, more oftentimes it's uh, a president dealing with crisis naturally yeah. or a – um, president dealing with new experiences, uh, whether it be Wayne Palmer or, or President Taylor. And, you know, I like that we have a, an elderly president yes. this time around. And I thought William Devane was just fantastic. Uh, in every scene he got last night, it, ex it extends the legacy of the show. Uh, if they were going to do a president, you know, I never thought about who might be president. Uh, partially because in the back of my mind, I knew it was taking place in London. I thought there sure. might not even be a president. Right. But if they were going to do a president and it was any character uh, who had been on the show previously, really, Heller was the only choice. I mean, you weren't going to make it Prescott or – here's a trivia question. Can you tell me Allison Taylor's vice president? Uh, I forgot his, his name. He was a, he's the one with the heavy southern twang. That made... He is the one with the heavy, heavy southern twang who um, was a big believer in, in, in prudence. Right, I can't. Yeah, I, I, I know. Mi I, I, I couldn't recite his name to you off the top of my head. It, it's Mitchell Hayworth, but Hayworth. It, it wasn't going to be Mitchell Hayworth. Yeah. Um, and you know, it wasn't going to be Hal Gardner. Or, I mean, I guess 
The one other choice could have been a Mike Novick, um, but that that would that wouldn't have worked. And you know, Heller's one of the few characters on the series who can lord over Jack. And you know, I presume that at some point Jack and Heller will have a scene during this season. I, I should and hope so. Yeah, that that'll be interesting because he- Heller's one of the only um, few who can do this. And and that's why I, I think it was such a perfect choice. It, you know, I, I was. I was going to say, if the, if it's a returning character, it has to be someone with the gravitas to not make it just be a, oh, awesome, he's back, but more of a, it has to be more impactful, and, and, and there has to be some kind of, you know, some kind of passion behind it. And because of the relationship that they shared in previous seasons, you know, both positive and negative, it's definitely a good pairing for Jack because of the way that you know, not only Devane portrays a character, but the way that the character is written, it is a good choice for a presidential, you know, character. Uh, otherwise, I think you would have had to go with perhaps a new character or no president at all. I, I, I'm interested in the Novik potential. Like that, that, that would have been an interesting choice. And I love Mike. Would he be as? Would he have been a good of a choice as president? I certainly don't yeah, think so. I don't buy Mike as president for any number of reasons as well as you know histories that led up in sure l- l- hit the history of that character uh you know i mean i'm sure if we thought about it for a little bit longer there was um somebody else uh that they could have gone to you know tim woods they, uh, uh, tim woods is my man uh, i guess they could have gone back to um noah daniels or maybe even ethan kanan yeah i was gonna say um, kanan but Kanan's, you know, his health was declining yeah. uh, in season eight, uh, and they made the right choice if, with Heller. And just, I, I loved what Devane got to play and how he played it uh, in in those episodes. Uh, and a very welcome return. You know, I'm just glancing at my preview uh, series about characters I'd like to see return, and uh, you know, Heller was on it, somewhat high up. He was actually ranked number eleventh. Uh, but of any of these characters, he was the only one who could have been president. And, you know, so, uh, you know, points to James Heller. And uh, I hope he's with us like you. I was watching that episode thinking he was going to die in some way, and that was what was going to... To catalyze the the season, and I'm glad he didn't, and I hope he's around. Uh, Let me ask you this. Does 24 Live Another Day take place in the same uh, universe as The Dark Knight Rises? Uh, and do you have any idea why I'm asking that question? The Dark Knight Rises is the third one, right? That's the thir- that's the third one. I have no idea. William Devane played the president. Ah, I completely so, forgot so, about. It. You know, I've so only is, seen is that once s- after we saw it in the theater, and that that was the second half of the movie. Um, yeah, he shows up in that one scene when they're all in the prison in the middle of nowhere, and uh, he's like Gotham, one of our great cities, blah blah blah. But um, you know, it, it, it's possible. Um, that'd be funny. So that would be funny. And if they do take place in the same universe, who's harder to understand, Bane or Mark Bordeaux's deputy chief of staff? Because I could not understand a word that guy said. He was gravelly and mumbly. On the second watch today, I understood it a little bit, but I did not understand a word that came out of that man's mouth. I understood the words that came out of his mouth. I did not remember them because they were they required me to to process them and so I gave up. So like yes, I heard them the first time, but I don't remember what they are. But yeah, oh, like I, I was lost. I at first didn't trust him and and I think 
I think it was a a a side effect of of his portrayal, you know, as a gravelly man who looks slightly evil. But the new guy that I that you know I ended up just not trusting the most, and I think we're supposed to. Uh, so maybe that's nothing extraordinary, but it's worth mentioning anyways, is is Mr. Reigns. Or I should say, because that's, that'd be Paul Reigns, Mr. New Guy. Uh, what's his Mr. name? Mark. Bordreau. What's his last name? Mark, Mark Bordreau. Bordreau. He was also, Por- he was also Por- Jimmy, Jimmy Cooper on the OC. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Tate Donovan, is uh, he was on that show Damages as well, um, which I saw. That's what his name half, is. I've heard his name. Yeah, yeah Tate Donovan. Uh, I saw about a half season of that show. Um He's an actor I've always run hot and cold on, uh, but I thought he was great last night, and I thought the position he was coming from made a lot of sense. Uh, He's worried about his country. He's worried about his wife. wife, He's worried about his boss, and I feel like every single thing he was doing was justifiable. Yeah, I mean, it would be uh, a very 24 thing to do to have him be some type of traitor, backroom dealer i hope not ultimate antagonist i hope not too i, I hope really they're hope subverting not. expectation and i also feel like one we've been there before uh but you know he has a certain he has a role within the show he, he has his father-in-law is is the president he seemed to be very good at what he does he was terrific in that debate prep scene. i wanted to punch him but not for not for the reason of like oh i hate you but because you're supposed to kind of want to punch him sort of because if you if you love James Heller, you don't want the old man being screamed at, right? But you know, I, I definitely, yeah, that that was that got a that like I stopped kind of breathing for a little bit during that segment because of how intense he was getting with Heller and Audra's reaction and Heller's just you know accepting silence of yeah, there's clearly I am not ready for prime time and just the the vulnerability that that he exposed in Heller. Like I agree with you. That was a great job. I still want to punch him though. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he was great. So uh, I, I read certain people were sort of complaining that he's one of those antagonistic government characters who will probably turn out to be a, a traitor. And the show has a history in that in that yeah. arena. But I um I thought Tate Donovan made it a great impression. I feel like uh, the one bit that was a little bit strange was he had that. Um, very almost cultish line with he brought Audrey back. Uh, and I stood you know, by he her said, side. I yeah, right. So I I was trying to figure out where he fit into the timing of that, or how exactly how long Audrey took to make a recovery. I know they said three years, but does that mean it was six years and he was there for three of them, or yeah. there was a relapse? Who knows? Um, and that's also probably the show fudging the timeline a bit. Uh. That line was a, a little bit weird, but maybe uh, maybe that's just the way the character believes that. And I certainly know why he wouldn't want his wife hearing the name Jack Bauer. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and, you know, look, Jack Jack Bauer um, screwed that family up. That's – that's can't say anything to disagree with that. Um, it wasn't his fault, of course, but, you know, the facts are what they are. And Jack is branded a criminal because the truth is Jack kind of is a criminal. He's a criminal, yeah. Yeah. Period. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, not unjustified. I, I mean, I, not, I, not unjustified. Yeah. I, and I feel like, uh, yeah. So, so that's that. So let's just go through the rest of the new cast real quick. There was uh, Partlow. There was Chris Partlow um, playing Eric Ritter. Uh, he was at the moment. That's a bit of a thankless role. I think it. Yeah. Uh, so far, it's just been there. Well, it's it's one. It's just been there, but it's also okay. He's the guy 
who he's part he's one part Ronnie LaBelle, oh, where oh. he's he's gonna just get shown up by Jack Bauer, and he's the other part, you know, classic antagonist of your main field agent, which is uh, Ivan uh, Strahovski's Kate Morgan. What else has and, she been in? That's big. Uh, well, she was on that show Chuck for a number of years, and she was on the final two seasons of Dexter. Um, uh. And let's not talk about the final season of Dexter. But actually, Strahovski was really good in both of those seasons. Okay. Um, and I thought she made a great first impression. I liked her quite a bit. I, I... Yeah, uh, totally. I think there's a certain Renee Walker element to her. I think clearly, you know, she, there's a certain Jack Bauer element to her. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what she does. And I think she played the role well. And that, that woman can act. Uh, and I just hope they give uh, Gabenga Akinagvi. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his you mean name. Chris Partlow, because that's easier to say. Can I say Pastor Isaiah from The Good Wife? Sure. Because um, you know, in my more fun to say, in my opinion, Partlow is more fun to say. And in my twenty-four Partlow. party last night, some people uh, recognized him as Chris Partlow, and some recognized him as Pastor, uh, Isaiah. Pastor Isaiah from yeah. The Good Wife. Um, so, by the way, if there's any Good Wife character that you'd like to see interact with Jack Bauer, who is it? Uh. Hmm, swirling around in my head. Um, I have an answer. Kalinda. Um, that, that's probably the go-to. Carrie. Um, answer. Um, Diane Lockhart, come on. I mean, wouldn't you love to see Diane Lockhart give give Jack a talking to from a completely different moral perspective? Sure. I, I, I guess I guess that was third on my list, but I, I you know my mind jumps to Carrie and Kalinda. Okay. Kalinda less so. Um, Kalinda only because that's the obvious answer, but Carrie because I – Yeah, Kalinda's the very obvious answer. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, back to um, 24. So, so we like Bratt. we both like Strahovski. And what about uh, Benjamin Bratt? We both like Benjamin Bratt. Do I we like, like him. Do we like Steve Navarro? I don't – yeah, I don't. Like at first I was like, yeah, Benjamin Bratt. And then he started to driscoll it up, and I'm just like – and It's a thankless role. It's yeah. another one of those. He has to oppose um, – Somebody and you know they at least let him put Kate out in the field early enough and come around sure. in that department. But uh, you know it's just it's another it's one of those th- thankless roles on Twenty Four and maybe it needs to exist for the plot to function. Although I would say there's probably a way for them to do that a little better. Uh, the only character who ever made good out of that thankless role, I'd say, is Larry Moss. Um, yeah. Because you know I mean there was there was Ryan Chappelle and okay he was just. Forget about the whole episode where he died, but I mean, up until that, I mean, he just disagreed with Jack or Tony, and then Jack or Tony did their own thing, and then Chappelle was revealed to be wrong, but he always, you know, protected himself, and then Jack and Tony could do what they wanted. And your Driscoll had a somewhat similar vibe, and they they made the right choice by not really doing that with Bill Buchanan, but there were still points where they did it with Bill Buchanan, and then at first, Brian, yeah, ha- yeah Brian. Ha- Brian Hastings was another one of them. I think like Larry Moss was the only one who made something of that uh, of that role. And well, because because it was an ideal, it was a difference in ideology. Yes, it wasn't a difference in position. Yes, and because that was written so beautifully into season seven. That's what I was gonna uh, say. It, for for Moss, it was more about like he wasn't saying you know it's the rules because it was written in a book. He was saying it's the rules because that's. That's the only way we can, you know, function. That's the only way that we can morally beat these guys. Like well, the rule, the rules are what make us better. That's Larry. That Moss, was the line. That's Larry yeah, Moss's the, quote. And then, and then Jack's uh, in, in great seven, response eight. of yeah. not, not today. today. Yeah. And then Renee goes and um, threatens to harm an infant. 
yeah, and, right. and I loved and I loved and I loved Renee Walker more with that moment. Yeah. I feel like Renee Walker, I've just always been on a trajectory where I just loved her more and more and more. Um putting aside the fact that the, the character she was playing in season eight was fairly different than the character oh, she sure. was playing in yeah. season seven. And some of that makes sense with what happened to her in season seven, and some of it also feels a little bit like, okay, this is where we decided to go from here. Um but Larry Moss made something of this role. I thought Brat was good. Uh, and he was great in that scene where he was interrogating uh, Jack. Uh, but I feel like that could turn into a thankless role yeah, quickly, and, and, and I hope and it I doesn't because I better. like Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, he deserves better. Um, yeah, and, you know, so we'll see what happens there. Were there any other newbies? Um, you know, the guy who's um, Jordan, I believe is his name, was kind of uh, Kate Morgan's Chloe. You uh, know, he was yeah. he was effective. He, um, he seemed like... Milo, too. There was something, well, there was something likable about that guy. Um, and then we have... It's fairly um, innocent, I think that's what it is. Yeah. We have, I feel like I've seen that actor in other things, too. We, then we had Adrian Cross, um, who's played Julian by a, a good actor. Um, and I thought he was good. You know, he seemed to have a certain level of control over Chloe. I mean, it was a little bit cultish in that room of British nerds. Um, so he was good. Uh, is there anybody else that I, was a, a new season, a new Day 9 character? Uh uh, I thought the guy who was the um, the Air Force pilot whose drone got stolen from him, he had some good screen presence. And uh, I felt then we so have, bad for that guy. I felt badly for that guy. And then we have the general who uh, who opposed to Heller sending Chris Tanner to the British Parliament um, or the British uh, royal troops. But that guy, he's on the show Arrow, and I like him a lot. Um, he didn't have that much to do last night, but that's an actor I like a lot. And then we have uh, the timeless Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry, Gordon, Gordon Wyatt from Bones. Bones, hooray! Um, playing uh, the prime minister. He is the prime that, minister. That was a good right? call. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Alistair Davies, I believe, was his name. Um, and then we have the. Um, <laughs> Can you random... find a more British name than Alistair Davies? No, you can't. Alistair, and that's, that's just that's just beautiful. Alistair Nigel that... McCrombie. That that, that that that's just beautiful and then we have um the uh random serbian who jack's just been hanging around yeah, that's that so, i think you were mentioning this earlier and i can't remember if we had started recording by that point but that's going to be the big the big mystery yeah, that's the us. question i mean what's happened to jack whom is he been hanging out with uh chloe why said is that he even more thing. hardens who's this guy you've been hanging out with what have you been up right, to yeah chloe said that so you know what do you think um just we're talking to only two episodes here but what are you – what season does this season remind you of right now uh, for two episodes? You know, through episode one, I had visions of four, like, just running through my head. The scene where Kate tases the security guard to get into the room to interrogate Jack is very similar to how I felt about when Jack defied Jack. Driscoll, Tom goes in, and – and with Tomas shoots Sharik. Tomas Sharik in the leg, and the Secretary of Defense. Um, even just from a visual standpoint, the uh, the the Heller and Reigns in the back seat of the car talking politics or talking whatever. Um, and of course, that was the most unsettling scene for me because I was like, "Are they going to repeat four dot one?" And thank God they didn't. But are they going to repeat that where that's when they get ambushed or whatnot? Um, mm -hmm. the, See, you thought four. Um, parts of four. A little like the obvious answer would be five because like oh he's coming back from like fugitive land and you get to see him again. I could see that. I just didn't really think about it in that same way. Um, I think 
there's a little bit of seven, you know. Oh, I think there's a lot of seven, where, and I'll, I'll talk about that in yeah, a second. Where Chloe is kind of playing that Tony role, where things kind of look a little bit grittier, um, and, uh, you know, Jack is coming into this um, seemingly with very few friends, whereas, which is a great line that he had, I don't have any friends. Um, whereas season eight, he had his daughter and her and his granddaughter. Season, uh, season six, okay, so season six, too. But I didn't really uh, think of that at that point. No, I, I thought it was very, very in the spirit of seven, and anything in the spirit of seven will make me happy. But, you know, I mean, Chloe is sort of playing the Tony role, but I feel like Chloe and Adrian Cross is very Tony Almeida and David Emerson. Yes. I yes. thought, uh, you know, the Jack breaking her out was, um, you know, similar. Yep. Shades of Deep Sky. I thought that the fact that we're talking about a group operating outside the system was a little bit like seven mm -hmm. and i feel like jack and chloe being at odds is somewhat akin to jack and tony being at odds and i hope this is the jack and chloe season where they don't always agree and just like season seven was a jack the, the jack and tony season let's hope this is the jack and chloe yeah. season. and i, I and, really just to interject real quick i, I think i made a comment yeah. that like is this going to turn into jack the action man and chloe the computer hacker again and you know, I, I, I agree with you. I hope it doesn't go down so much the path of like, okay, well, let's get back in the saddle. And like, you know, she's filling her role and he's filling his role. And like, she's the constant bug in his ear saying, okay, go here, go there. Watch out for this guy. Watch out for that guy. And it's more of an emotional, um, you know, it's an emotional development of the characters with each other, which is where we left them off in season seven. Uh, uh, sorry, season, uh, eight, mean eight. season eight. Yeah. You know, what did you think about this? You know, Jack. You know, he the first episode he saves Chloe, but then it's revealed that he was kind of doing that so he can, you know, get yeah see the people that Chloe's dealing with. So it was somewhat of a ulterior motive. Uh, an ulterior motive, a manipulation, or just the kidnapping was a byproduct of what Jack really wanted to do. And then you know, Jack's already lied to Chloe. He didn't ask her to help when she very well may have. Um, and, you know, some of that could be because Jack doesn't trust Chloe because if Chloe's associating with a certain group, um, why would he trust her? But what did you think about that in relation to the end of the series? Do you think it undermined those beautiful closing moments in 824 uh, or just no, not updated a, it? I, not at all. I think the I think from a an on-screen standpoint, you kind of get you kind of get valid. I, I did at least I kind of got validation from that. Of, from that great few seconds where Chloe says, "If you wanted my help, you should have just asked." Oh, and there's oh, a yes. pained look that goes over Jack's face when he blinks. He's just like, "She's right." Uh, yeah, he sh he should have. And like, does it you know under? I mean, does it undermine? Not from a fan perspective, maybe just from what Jack said to her at the end of that. But again, things might have happened yeah, to Jack yeah, and I, or Chloe. Yeah, I think I think things happened. I think he also you know. You know, he sometimes he he has to ninety percent of the time put on this hard shell, and mm -hmm. you know, I I think maybe he's in a situation right now for the time being where he needs to keep that up, you know, in order to. You remember, he's also in the room with other people who don't know him that well and who he needs information from, so he can't really let his guard down. Now, is he gonna come out in in some episodes say say hey I was just being defensive like I you know you really are my friend blah 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 no I, I don't think so and I hope he doesn't because yes these few these, these few years 
should have changed him in certain ways. And not to say that they changed him in such a way that he no longer considers Chloe a friend, but just in, in the way that, like, okay, well, like, things are different now. And what we had in the past was legit, you know, and I, you know, I completely, you know, respect that and whatever. But, hey, you also kind of turn into a terrorist at the same time. So let's let us let us not ignore that. Um, and, you know, as much as... It, I think it comes down to he wants to trust her, but he knows he can't right now. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's that's yeah. completely fair. I mean, it's just something I th I thought about because you know the ending of that series is is so beautiful, and uh, you'd hate for them to undo that because they need things to go to go forward. And I hope they spend uh, a lot of the season with Jack and Chloe working outside of the system as opposed to just rolling into uh, Benjamin Bratt's CIA by episode four or five. Right. And it's fine if they do that. It's just it, it might give the season a special feel if they're on the outside. Um, so a couple other plot things. Uh, are the Chinese coming back? Because there were two mentions of, of the, the Chinese, Chinese. And I thought about that. And I think as long as it's not – I forgot his name at this point. I can't. Uh, Ch Cheng Zi. As long as it's not him, and not that I have anything against him, but as long as it's not him, then I could see that being, you know, an interesting turn of events. And, and I say that only because, like, we've seen we've seen Cheng Zi return as a foil twice. We've seen Logan kind of return twice. We've seen a lot of characters return, and you know, this is it's funny because we spent we spent the last. Uh, hour or so talking about characters that have been returning and how we like them but you know for for in terms of foils in terms of villains sometimes you don't want the same mustachioed twirling villain coming back at the same time maybe from the same entity but in a different light so yes do the chinese come back would it be cool sure maybe it's a continuation of the conflicts that happened before and they name drop Chengzi or the consulate mm -hmm. or something but they have to do a really good job of tying that back into the Jack story and make it some kind of believable thing. Um, I kind of felt that I kind of felt that for season eight when they brought back the Russians and all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, they're they're you know he's Suvorov is this evil man or at least portraying himself as an evil man. I don't know how I felt about that, and it, it they really have to they really have to be careful about how they would bring them back if they do. Like they can't just be like, yeah. oh, they're back to get Jack again. No, that would yeah. be horrible. And again, let's let's leave season six where, where it is. Um, season one. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I think they made a mentioning the Chinese in the world superpower sense is one thing, and uh, Kate's husband was selling secrets to the Chinese, so they could just let that stand where it is. They don't actually need to um, uh, go any further than that. Right. Uh, I just hope they don't get into uh, you know Chang's rivalry with, with with Jack. That's been there, done that, yeah. and it's too many years in the in the past. Um, both in terms of the show's history, so it's about nine and a half, ten years, and in terms of the audience's history, which is seven years. And let's not let's not pull too much from yeah. the weakest season of the I mean, show. I mean, there are other look, there are other things that, that they can pull back, but you know, pull bring back and. Don't tell me that if you've had four years to plan it and you know what fans like and don't like, you're bringing the Chinese back and not Tony Almeida. Jack Bauer's dad rises from the ocean. Oh, no, 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 never bring back Philip Bauer. Never, ever, 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 ever bring back Philip Bauer. Your grandfather's a visionary. You should listen to him. 
Uh, well, well, see, so so I'm thinking like if they did that, they would be very deft. Not the father, the Chinese. I mean, if they did that, they would they should definitely do it like where they're in the picture for a completely different reason related to British relations, and they catch wind that Jack is out there, and they're like, oh shit, that guy, let's go fucking get him. But it's not yeah, driven by like don't we're have still an issue looking with Jack, for Jack anymore because they they sold they uh they sold Jack back to Wayne Palmer true, for, true. Uh, yeah, for yeah. a very high a very high price and good that point, was also point. a little bit more Chang's vendetta than China's vendetta. True, true, true. Um, true. that's that's always how I took that. Um, you know, you know that's uh yeah that's just how how I took that. So uh, then we have um. You know, another differentiation was a uh, female terrorist mastermind, or at least so far. Lady Stark. Uh, yes, Lady Stark. I felt that that was that was a bit refreshing. I wonder. Um, I wonder if it's less uh, if it's less about a, a terrorist play and more just just purely political on a Logan level, where she's doing a potentially bad thing to illustrate a point. About drones and that, that 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 type of stuff, because, or or is her agenda completely different from the lackey that she hired and then had her daughter kill, or she didn't have her daughter right? Kill. Oh yeah, no, who was who's who knows who was lying to whom? Um, True. You know, it's right now. It seems like it's anarchy. That 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 seems to be her agenda: anarchy in in the UK to make a Sex Pistols reference. Um, who do you think got it worse, Derek Yates um, while pissing uh, and being stabbed in his brain, or Robert Ellis while pissing and being garroted? I think the garroting is probably a lot more painful. Pro- probably, and also uh, the guy who garroted Robert Ellis probably got a little piss on his shoe. Um, but you know, you got to do what you got to do in the name of uh, terror and uh, Dennis Hopper. I, you know, I call me calling her turning ta- turning turncoat on on that guy was completely a guesswork. But I just had the sinking feeling that like something's gonna happen. She and she, you know, she she's up to some shit. She knows what's going on. Um, but despite that, like, I, you know, th- those those who don't know me and, and and you don't know this about me. But, like, you know, how I, I frequently bemoan, oh, that was predictable. And I didn't really mind that at all. Actually, yeah, I, I did that like fun. that a lot. So I thought that was fun. And look, it just it de-Rita Brady the thing for me. So as long as you <laughs> yeah, de-Rita right, Brady. Never Rita Brady. I hate Rita Brady. Okay. Um, and if you're a 24 fan, as big as of 24 fan as you might be, and you don't know what I'm saying by Rita Brady, you're better for it. You really, really are. Um, Palm Springs. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, Rita Brady. Um, <laughs> I didn't even freaking know her, her name, and thank God. But now I do, so I don't know. So I think there's one last um, thing that I'd like to bring up, and I don't think this is something that either us, either of us, needs to answer, and I don't think it's something the show answered either. Is um, you go into this new season of 24, and as, from a fan's perspective, you want it to be good. As long as it's good, you're happy to watch it. Yep. Um, and I feel like so far the show has been good, and I'm happy to watch it. And then as a fan of the art, you get into the different question of you're reopening the door on something that you closed. And it was closed so well, um, and you know there were rough patches in those eight seasons for sure, but they closed it nicely. And you know they closed it fully, and it's not like it needed to come back so – you have to justify the show coming back to me at some point in these 12 episodes artistically. And I think that could be there. If you have the greatest TV season of all time, that justifies it. If you tell a story that is just so vital and, and needs to be told, you know, for the characters, you know, that's, that's a way to do it. Or if you're making some political statement, uh, that would be a way to do it. And the show didn't do that for me yet. 
I just hope they do it at some point. What do you think about it, that? I, I, I was going to bring that up. It's funny because when, when Mel, my girlfriend, for those who don't know, called me and asked me what I thought. She, she might be one of our listeners. Yeah. She hasn't watched it yet. Um, so she was asking me, you know, my thoughts on a very broad level. And, and what I said to her at the time was, uh, I, I'm, I'm very open to the possibility that my excitement for it coming back overrode my objectivity when it comes to, do I feel that they're so far doing a good job justifying it? Um, you know, from a, from a, what you said from, do they need to bring this back? And so far I agree. This didn't, it pains me to say this. It really does, but this didn't need to happen so far it doesn't seem like it needed to happen but i'm glad that it is happening i think i'm on two sides where on the one hand if this ends up just if this ends up just being good part of me is going to be like well they should have just left left well enough alone because i'll probably say that too because yeah, even though i'll say hey it's really good it's still you know 24 and good 24 is great right i mean good 24 is better than most of what's on tv and i was having a conversation the other day um with a friend how would you compare this to what else is on tv at the moment through only two episodes and we were just talking about all the great current shows and uh you know it got compared to good wife americans yeah. uh game of thrones arrow um hannibal uh and i feel like outside of uh the current season of the good wife these two episodes were you know they're with it with with those other shows they're hanging. Um, yeah, they're hanging there. Um, they're certainly they're certainly not beneath it, and that that's good. So it, the the first thing they had to do is just come back um, with a show that was good, and they did that, and a show that felt like twenty four points to them. This felt like twenty four instantly. There was no slowing down. They didn't have to ease back into it. I mean, it just felt like twenty four, and that was important. That was very important. And uh, the other thing they did nicely, we haven't spoken about this, is. Uh, Bringing in contemporary issues such as the uh, Snowden WikiLeaks thing, yeah. the, the drones, and that made it feel updated. And I feel like this show has to reflect the new political landscape. I mean, the show was born from the post 9/11 years, where in a post post 9/11 era, and the original series was about preventing acts of terror and how citizens felt in the wake of 9/11, or at least it was somewhat about that. And the People's fear this time is WikiLeaks, and I yep. feel like that update feels right, and I hope that they – that's just not a little bit of lip service in the first two episodes, and it it's, plays some role uh, because that's the, that's the paranoia of the day, and I actually feel like it's interesting. That's a very uh, left-wing paranoia, and 24 times is unfairly charged with being a right-wing paranoia show, uh, and I think it's good that the show's doing that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I put it this way: it, if it ends up being a a a platform for you know for this kind of discussion in a because because certainly there are shows and other medium other media that can potentially do a better job of focusing on those issues and talking to them at length. This sure. is, this has been the, the wire. This the is, good wife. Right. I mean, this has been the way only to, because of the time nature of it. Right. This has been the way a, a way to bring it. From a completely entertainment standpoint, from a from an acting performance um, set piece standpoint of saying, you know, here's this really entertaining show, and we're going to bring this issue to the to, to the forefront as well. If they do that, like you said, I, I I'm all for it, even if the quality is just good. I think, um, I mean, I think it's a good platform for that. 
Um, I, I liken it to how, I guess, they handle some television shows, one of them being Matt, uh, Matt Greening's Futurama, where after the series ended, they would occasionally put out feature-length, quote-unquote, direct-to-video movies. Mm-hmm. That same production, same actors, same everything. It's not direct-to-DVD in a cheap sense. It's direct-to-DVD because it made more fiscal sense to do that for the audience that wanted it. So it was the same great stuff. And whether it was as good or just okay – or I shouldn't say just okay. Whether it was as great as Futurama, the series was, versus just, oh, this is a nice tieback. It was there enough to satisfy the fans who, who missed the show while not overstaying its welcome. So – that's why I think that you know this could be okay, especially because they're keeping it to a twelve episode length. They just right, got to not I, screw it up. They, well, they have to not screw it up. And I think, look, you come back if you have something to say and a story to tell. It, it's okay to reopen that door, yeah. but you don't do it just to do it. And this seemed to be something that people felt this could be yeah. um, a really good story. And you know, Kiefer said, a, I've read a few interviews with him. He says their goal is to try to make the best season. They can, and so far it's off to a good enough start, and I don't expect this to be the best season of 24. Um, but so you know, so far they're off to a good start. So far it feels new, fresh, updated. Uh, it feels relevant. It Not- doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like a relic um, of another political time or even of another TV era. Um, obviously, they're not reinventing the wheel in any way. Right. And I think even at points during the premiere, such as the Jack rescues Chloe sequence uh, and build up to it, they were trading on your familiarity with it. Yeah. And I think sometimes trading on familiarity is just as important as trading on unpredictability. You got to bring people back. You got to you got to bring them those memories. But after all right. that, still not quite vital yet. No, no, but that's not fine. yet. I and think I, that's fine. Totally. Look, if they get vital in the last five minutes of it. That's that's vital. You just you do it at some point. You're all good. Uh, and you know it's just great to have t- 24 back. And it's a it's a little bit of a case of the show getting to uh, have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. Of they gave us the ending. We you know we had our four years off. You know we put the series to bed, and now this is so- something else. And it's never going to uh, nullify the show's legacy. Well, remember so, remember what what. Uh... What Logan said to Taylor, Jack will crawl, and I don't remember the quote per word for word, but he will crawl yeah, yeah, in the deepest, darkest hole and keep coming and coming. And if 24 continues to crawl from the deepest, darkest hole every four or five years or every couple of years or whatnot and keep coming at you for 12 episodes, as long as it's good, I think I'm okay with that. That's great. You know, it's, I was listening to the Talking TV with Ryan and Ryan podcast uh, earlier today, and uh, they both said, they said the same thing, and I, I agree with that. I think you just they have to do it right, um, and let's hope they um, let's hope they do, and let's hope we do. We're gonna do this podcast for Kim Raver, our British fans, and uh, Melanie uh, every week. Uh, it should be a little shorter than this because we'll have uh, well, this one is two episode episodes to about. We're, we're coming back. Yeah, to we're an talking old about TV so show. many things coming back to it. Yeah. So um, you know, comments uh, welcome, and we hope people uh, enjoy this. Uh, we'll definitely enjoy it because the truth is we'd probably be having this conversation uh, anyway because we did this every week either via email or phone call and uh, you know I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes uh, I'm excited to live another day Austin anything else? Uh, before we sign off if people if friends people whoever have questions where can they tweet them to you or you go first I'll get mine as well um, Do you I want to at, give out your Twitter? Maybe you don't. 
that's another consideration. Uh, uh, let's give let's give out my Twitter. I am the at sign. <laughs> deep. Okay. Um, I'm a total technophobe. I could never be in with Chloe's uh, little Julian Assange WikiLeaks hack hacktivists. Um, anyway, I'm at Deep Sky Twenty Four MDNA. Uh, and Austin. So that's Deep Sky the number two four. MDNA. And then right? MDNA. Okay. You yes. can tweet me at the same one that I use for my other podcast. It's M-R-C-H-U-P-O-N, Mr. Chupon. That is actually part of uh, a long run of email addresses that I've had. It's, again, M-R-C-H-U-P-O-N. Um, you know, I'll post that information uh, when I post the RSS feed for those who are downloading the podcast and subscribing, if they do subscribe. Um, every subscriber gets you a a vote of confidence. Let's say that. And that's right. And 24 is back. I'm so excited. 24 is back. I, Long live Rita Brady. I did the – oh, jeez. <laughs> you know what? With that said, until next week, I'm shutting it down. No more Rita Brady. Okay. So that's it. Shut it down. Thanks for listening to 24 Cast Another Day. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet David at DeepSky24MDNA, that's the number 24, and Austin at Mr. Chupon, that's M-R-C-H-U-P-O-N. Or you can drop us a line at our podcast page at 24ladcast.tumblr.com. Again, that's the number 24. Please keep them scoped to anything about the most recent episode to date and prior. No questions or comments about reported rumors or spoilers about future episodes or even anything you saw in the promo for next week's episode. We really don't like spoilers.